Music Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to Music Life Radio. I'm your host, Dan Sauter. First, let's hear a song from my guest today, Dirty Power. This song is called Dirty Power. Wanna get drunk and spend the night on the floor? I'll turn the radio loud and leave my head to explore. All I got this music, and all it's done to keep me alive. That's what I call rock and roll. That's Dirty Power, which is a hard rock band from San Francisco, featuring Patrick Pat Rock Goodwin on vocals and guitar, Jeff Potts drums and vocals, Steve Perrone guitar, and Nick Ullman and bass and vocals. 
Dirty Power has taken hard rock back to its roots. They have influences such as ACDC and Motorhead for their driving rhythms. They add in a little bit of Black Sabbath. Then they throw in some hooks of Cheap Trick and Def Leppard. Really cool stuff. I fell in love with these guys as soon as I heard them. What's really cool is they also do a lot of that dual lead guitar work, reminiscent of uh, Thin Lizzy, and they've got some strong backing vocals. In May of 2001, Dirty Power went up to Seattle and recorded with the legendary Jack Indino. He's the man behind Nirvana's first major album, Bleach. Uh, he also recorded Soundgarden, Hot Hot Heat, you know, tons of bands. Um, Jack Indino had to say, you know, this. Dirty Power came up and we made my favorite record of the year. Six months later, I'm still humming their songs. And in spite of having recorded a bunch of other records in the meantime, this is the best album I've recorded since Nirvana. That's a pretty powerful statement. Dirty Power has been on tour. They have played with acts such as Fu Manchu, High on Fire, Girl School, Dawkins, Zeke, Nebula, and Metal Church. They've been featured in Billboard magazine and were honored by a seven-page cover story in SF Weekly in 2004. Dirty Power are an experienced band, and they're getting ready to release their second album. They're also playing at the bottom of the hill on June 19th in San Francisco, so I encourage you to go down and check out their show. So, without further ramblings by myself, let's get to the interview with Dirty Power. Well, thanks for coming down to Music Live Radio Studios. We've got Dirty Power with us today. We've got Patrick, Nick, and uh, Jeff with us. Thanks for coming down. Do you guys have any really memorable gigs or stories you know, while you've been in Dirty Power that you'd like to share? I think the most memorable one was the first show. For an audio reference, that's Jeff Potts, drums and vocals. It just seems so self-indulgent. We were ready for people <laughs> to kind of laugh, but it went over pretty well. Yeah. What went on at the show? Was it just the, the anticipation of not knowing how the crowd's going to react to the music? Yeah, we, haven't, we never played any of the stuff for anybody. So, uh, And we were coming out of uh, Planet 7, which is an all-instrumental surf punk metal band. So we were doing that for a while. And, and doing then, the uh, tribute shows. Yeah, we did some tribute shows. Uh, like tribute to 1974. Yeah, or, you know. Cheap Trick. Cheap Trick. That's Nick Ullman, bass. Next up is Patrick, vocals and guitar. Well, the first thing we did was called uh, One Night Stand. It slims. The thing was, is like a bunch of musicians and only two people from specific bands could be in one configuration that was on stage. Okay. And so we sort of cheated because we were actually <laughs> like starting to be a band. You were an ing. Nick yeah. was an ing at the time, and I was playing with Pansy Division. And Jeff and Steve were were in Planet Seven, and so we kind of got away with it that way. <laughs> but yeah. so we just did uh, three covers, you know, just to see what it was like. You know. So how did you all hook up together? I mean, you're kind of actually alluding to that a little bit, I think. How did you guys get together to form Dirty Power? Whose idea was this? Well, I'd known Patrick and Jeff for a long time hanging out at the bars and stuff. Um, I knew Steve through Planet 7, and they were playing with, with him. So, yeah, Patrick was writing heavier stuff and singing, and we really wanted to do that and see how that was going to work out. Yeah, well, I seem to recall saying to you, like, if you're starting something heavy, <laughs> you need a bassist. <laughs> I'll be there. Well, yeah, it wasn't really like a... I don't know if it was... Even, it wasn't a plan. It was, Yeah, it wasn't a plan. It just kind of... We wanted to do something different than what we were doing already and uh this is how it came out 
how long do we know each other before we even... Well, I, I've known Steve for a while. We were in another band before Planet 7, Hank Stram. And then uh, it was just during Planet 7 rehearsals, right? But I, I'd known you and Steve yeah, like, well for like that. four or five years sure. before that. And I started playing bass with Planet 7, right. just filling in. And then that's where the you know first part of Dirty Power started, I guess. You know? yep. How did you guys come up with the name? <laughs> can't point in a radio <laughs> uh, my friend Fergus actually suggested it after going through the multitudes of really awful names uh, that was the first one that kind of but that's yeah. always the fun part with the band <laughs> how many names can you think of oh yeah my band's kind of reformed itself with some new members and we're trying to come up with a name right now and oh man how many bad names can you come up with <laughs> wow, exactly it's our dirty power is very cool it kind of really describes the music a little bit and i'm a former coast guardsman i was an engineer on board a ship and we would always be dealing with dirty power yeah it's funny anybody that's, that's had any kind of electrical background yeah. or they're like oh that's cool you know like, like yeah, jack and dino was like the first thing he said about it too so. <laughs> So when did you guys form? Was it, I think your first album came out around 2003. I think it was about 2000. Yeah. Was it, I don't, For sure it was 2001, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. And that's the one yeah, you were talking yeah, yeah. about? That was at the Eagle? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the date. It's like a May something. It's like I think it was like May 11th, uh, 2001. Wow. You remember that? Yeah. That's good. He should answer all or the questions then, because... <laughs> yeah. Man with a good memory. I know. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> uh, another question I like to ask everybody, and it's a really individual and personal question, so we can go around and you know share or whatever, uh, but what does music mean to you? What gets you fired up? What gets you excited? We'll start with Jeff. The loudness of it. I like to really feel the guitars, and I like to hit things really hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's very therapeutic. Therapeutic, yeah. I love playing music. I mean, I've always been kind of a musician in sort of middle school, high school, all the way through, and picked up the guitar and all that, been in lots of different kind of bands. And I don't know, I just like playing. But when I got together with these guys for the first, re the first rehearsal and just hit the first song, and it was just sort of that feeling of, oh, my God, this, this is really it, you know? Um, like, these guys are really great musicians so it was really good to play play you know get together and be like on and and play really loud and have fun you know mm. so that's what it, it meant to me i just like playing loud and and having fun and yeah but, what, 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 <laughs> Next. Is, what does music mean to you to what like, are, well just asking you know, <laughs> I don't know what what does music mean to me? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I was thinking. Of. I couldn't live without it. Yeah, same here. I mean, I've always had it in my life, so I can't. You know, I mean, I hate the radio, but I'm always iPod or CDs. You know, always listening to something. I always have to have something in the background. Yeah, is it something that helps you escape? Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> a lot of people m mention that. They, they mention it's a very therapeutic. They mention it's a it's a good form of escapism. I agree. For sure. It's that, but it also kind of is a trap, and it <laughs> it, it tricks you. And yeah, I can go through every emotion uh, and in every psychological 
damage case that you could ever like pile onto somebody with with in, the, in like a whole playlist, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I just did an interview with Mark Marin, the comedian, and he said that he uses his iPod like an IV drip, and that he can control his emotions and his feelings just by picking a song and playing it. I thought that was. Pretty I nice. definitely I can identify with that for yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the range of emotions, basically. Yeah. yeah. So what is the process like for you guys when you're writing songs together? Does somebody come in with an idea and you build off of that? Do you pretty much have, does, does Patrick come in with a full song? Does Jeff come up with ideas? How does it work? It, it's, it's worked differently, you know? Uh, I mean, it, it's been a while since we actually, like, kind of got in a room and done something like that, but... Well, you know, if if we're in a room and, and something you know starts to gel and there's a riff there, then it'll get hashed out. You know, either just me taking the button, you know, like the ball and running with it, and, and coming back with you know whole complete something or other, or it'll kind of just evolve over time. You know, there's no real set way of doing it, but since I'm usually the one that's going to be singing it, I kind of uh, you know, you know control it a little bit <laughs> do you tend to write the all the lyrics or most of them uh yeah 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 what what's the process that you use for writing lyrics uh damage <laughs> <laughs> there's no 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 real process half the time it comes out of uh playing an arrangement of a song and kind of mumbling over the top of it or you know singing something else over the top of it and kind of just playing with the words that way and it you know i'll i'll start phonetically with with whatever i have and kind of go from there you know just build on top of it or try to fit something into those phonetics when i listen to your songs and i see the song titles i kind of see there's a playfulness about about the uh, the, the lyrics and whatnot yeah i mean like half the time like it's just a you know a title doesn't necessarily yeah. have to do with it you know exactly the, <laughs> there's actually been reviews where they you know, they kind of tear it apart because of that. <laughs> I love, it. Yeah, I love that, though. The songs are good, but yeah, yeah. you're what not funny, you know. Yeah. Like, they yeah, don't yeah. know us. We're all pretty funny. Yeah. Well, it we're seems not supposed to be funny. I guess that was the symptom of the unitard one that really Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I noticed, I don't know, growing up in the Seattle area when the music scene was going on, a lot of bands would just make up any kind of old words or you know, titles for their songs, and it didn't seem to have anything to do with the songs at all. <laughs> Magnolia Coos, Baby Shit, and like, you know, yeah. all that stuff. All sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah. We just like to joke around. <laughs> we'll, just, or, we'll just make up the funniest thing that we can think of, and then we'll just use it for a song title or something. <laughs> was it the emo clown? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It tastes like burning. That was it tastes like burning. That was, yeah, yeah. Simpsons. <laughs> oh, that, that's what that's from? Yeah. <laughs> This tastes like burning. <laughs> this tastes like burning by Dirty Power.
did it take you guys to come up with that first album a year yeah yeah it was kind of effort you know it wasn't what didn't seem to be a lot of work had about four or five songs already when we first started right about Uh, something i had yeah i probably had like two or three things and then the rest of it the next year kind of Basically, we were under the gun when we were, <laughs> when we found out we were going to be recording. How did you get hooked up with Jack and Dino to record your first album? Sluggo, right? Yeah. yeah, my friend Sluggo, you know, was basically he came to our first show and like progressively saw us, you know, probably half a dozen times and like thought we were really great. And he <laughs> uh, he has a band called the Grannies in San Francisco and. Uh, he had just recorded with Jack and had known Jack from you know for years you know before that and basically he wanted us to you know hook up through Jack and he wanted to put out the record through uh, you know Dead Teenager which was his label a while back so it was yeah it was all a process uh, with um, Sluggo hooking us up and Jack liked us a lot yeah I think I read a quote somewhere where this was like the best album since Bleach. That he worked on. Yeah, that's kind of terrifying. <laughs> Very terrifying. <laughs> I I have to agree. I that album is one of my favorites. Your Dirty Power album. Yeah, and, thank you. Uh, I think I found out about you guys. There was a big article in one of the San Francisco. I don't know if it was the Guardian or the Weekly or whatever it was. Um, and I remember reading it and going, "Wow, you know, I like all the influences they're citing here. I gotta go check these guys out." And I remember going down to Golden Bull, I think, which isn't that far. From here and oh yeah, the, uh, uh, Eric Core down with me and, and we went and checked you guys out and I was like wow the music is just as good live as it is on the CD it was really great. <laughs> remember that the, on the floor that yeah. everything is on the floor. <laughs> I'm trying to do we play with Lost Goat at that show? I don't I don't remember who uh, was opening. In fact, I might have gotten there right as you guys started. Yeah, it was night after night we played with there. What are some other uh, memorable club gigs that you've done? Well, I mean, we were happy to play Great American with High on Fire, but unfortunately we had to leave that same, <laughs> like right after we played to shoot our video. So yeah. uh, we, we would have liked to hang around. and So you didn't get to see High on Fire? <laughs> no, well, yeah, we played with them a couple times yeah. since. but uh, It was a weird show because it, we played with High on Fire and Erase Arata at that yeah. show. So it was dirty, dirty, like Erase Arata was like right in the middle of the two bands. It was kind of an eclectic you know little bill but it was the first time we got to play the great american which i was really stoked that's true yeah you know so it was kind of like a you know here we are yeah, you know, here's yay great american now. yeah 
We uh, we opened for uh, Dokken and Metal Church. <laughs> oh, God. That was fun. <laughs> we pretty much opened for everybody. Like, girls' school. Yeah. We opened for Dokken and Metal Church. Uh, Fu Manchu. We've opened for um, Zeke a bunch of times. High on Fire. Oh, loudness. <laughs> Loud, loudness of the Japanese yeah. band? Yeah. Yeah. I'm that from, was at the Pound. That's not there anymore, right? Oh, that's, the Pound, yeah. I, I saw a Metal Church at the Pound one time with, when Kurt Vanderhoof was back in the band. Yeah. I remember dragging, dragging a bunch of my friends down to it. I think I was the only one that liked it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had just gotten a replacement singer who sounded like their original singer. Yeah. And uh, he was pretty good. I think it, when we played with them, it was like the second or third time they, they'd come around with that. So. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to the uh, going up to Seattle and recording up there. How, how did that work? It, it sounded like you recorded your album in about eight days. Did you just do it all in one stint, or did you uh, break it up? I think we did everything. We kind of set up and just all played. Yeah, I think it was a, we basic went up there, and it was like six days to try to get as much as we could done in six days, and then uh, ran out of time, and basically I had to fly back up and, and do some vocal tracks and mix. Yeah. I think it was like two vocal tracks and then and then we had to finish all the mixing so we got actually it was just the like three or four songs that we had to finish mixing so we got everything done within like six days pretty much if i remember right so how did you play the songs in the studio did you play it kind of live in the room yeah 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 we all we were all i was in a separate room I kept getting hit by the door every time Jack would come in. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, were, we were all still in the same room. It's just you were in that little I was little in the little alcove. Right? Yeah, like, That's true. Yes. Uh, and to get to to get to adjust any like drum stuff, he had like s- s- door would fly open and whack into me. And <laughs> Jack's <laughs> definitely the the absent-minded professor. Yeah, I, was like, <laughs> I didn't see you there. And uh, yeah, but it was like yeah, all. It's about a room the size of this, and we just yeah. had baffling between us. Uh-huh. You know, basically, we're there, you know, like staring at each other. So, what kind of gear do you guys play? I've had the same JCM 800 watt Marshall for almost 20 years at this point, mm-hmm. and my guitars have changed. I used to, the first thing I was playing was an SG, like an old, like just a crappy SG that I had for a long time, and then. Uh, lately, uh, last couple of years, I was playing uh, Deans, so like Did, a couple so of use, flying V's. Yeah. Do you use the SG on the on the album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I played uh, I played the Gibson Ripper on that through I think an Ampeg for no no it was something else because it, it was a like basement it was a basement yeah 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 because. Yeah. He didn't like my gear. <laughs> so basically, like, set up this other bass rig for me, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. And also, it was kind of embarrassing. He's like, oh, I need some with more with the bass. He picked up my bass. He's like, is this intonated? Yeah. No, I don't think so. And he, like, started intonating my bass. Yeah, first, like, first, thing so Jack, first thing Jack did was, like, fix all of our equipment. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. He's like, you know, your drums aren't tuned. Yeah, yeah I've been there that. before. <laughs> How interesting! So he he spent a little bit of time going over your gear with you. And yeah, yeah. It, it was up. actually really cool, though. I mean, it yeah. was it kind of upped the ante for me. I was like a little clueless, I think, at that point. You know, well, it was one of those funny things. Is we we all we got there, and you know, we're a bit panicked because we had no idea what the hell we were getting to. I think you know, I was the only one who had met Jack at this point, and uh, it was 
pretty much almost a day and a half before we actually had a conversation with him because his thing was like right from the get-go we just had our stuff set up and like he just went into it like miking things and fixing things and you know dialing things in and it was like just beeline for it just like no chit chat no uh you know like formalities whatsoever just like get work done period that's how jack was when we first met him And then about a day later, we figured out he was actually kind of a yeah. interesting guy. <laughs> he, was really, he was really nice. He's, he yeah. made us listen to a he, lot of budgie. He did. Really? Is that, I just <laughs> recently got into that band myself. I was like, wow, where does this hidden gem come from? Uh, the only thing I can say about that band is their CDs are so damn expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah, all the import stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you got you to order an import, but it's worth it. I, uh, I bought their uh, the best. The, I think you get the best of album. It's pretty cheap. That's what gets you hooked. It's like a little crack, and then then you got to buy the import. Yeah, it, right. I had a couple of import vinyl from like eons ago, but I, I can't say I was always the biggest fan. But it was like, yeah, I'm trying to think of a. Tr- it was the one with crash, uh, crash, crash, and brain surgery on it uh-huh. that you know I, that I had forever, and you know, I'm trying to think of the other. I don't remember the name of the record. <laughs> Squawk. Yeah. And Jack had the box set. He brought like, it was like this. Maybe that's a cheaper way to go. Like, guys like super high Getty Lee style voice. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really interesting. <laughs> yeah, Burke Shelley. Yeah, this is the one that has that on it. I guess it's just their first album. Budgie. Yeah. I just Crash saw a, a, a documentary called... A, 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 it, was like, it was all on British metal. Like... And he he was kind of a, 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 an ass on it. Oh, in the documentary yeah. when they interviewed him, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I, I've only seen a couple of the videos on YouTube, I think, but not, never an interview or anything. Interesting. <laughs> They're still playing, I think. Yeah. So, were there other bands that he would have you listen to? Was he trying to? Did he try to craft your sound, or did he just try to refine it a little bit? No, he basically just wanted to to sound good as yeah. what we, for what we had, uh-huh. and then and then you know he would suggest things, but never was like very you know like he wasn't like a producer producer, right. but he gotcha. would definitely like if he thought something would sound better a certain way, he, did, he would he didn't go force that way. anything. He just kind of let us go, but yeah. he also he wasn't. You know, he'd be honest when he say, "I think you can do that better." You know, or, or that's just really awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's do let's do something else. You know, there. Let's see what we can figure out. You know, let's not waste any time. Let's get this done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Or or if we were like, you know, stuck somewhere and we couldn't figure out what to do, then that's when he would step in. You know, like like if, if I was, was playing too fast, he would give me some pot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what he did? Here's another song by Dirty Power entitled. Penny Eyes. Come on, 
So, uh, any other memorable thoughts about recording of that first album? Who stopped by the studio? Mark Arm. Mark Arm, right? Yeah. And they didn't want to let him in. I I didn't know who he was. Uh, He's like, knocked on the door, and I'm like, you know, I opened it a little bit, and he's like, yeah, I'm here to see Jack. I'm like, who are you? He's just like, let me in, dude. (laughs) Okay. He's like, I'm not messing around. Yeah. Jack's in a new studio now, and uh, we went up when we recorded these new songs for the next record. His assistant was. Scotty Crane, who was Bob Crane's son from Hogan's Heroes. Oh, Bob really? Crane. Interesting. And Bob Crane was a drummer, and he had yeah, his kit remember. there, so I got to use wow. some of his drums on the that's, on the, that's on the next record. Crazy, yeah, that's crazy. It was really Bob weird. Crane's haunted drum set. Yeah. <laughs> the spirit of Bob Crane. <laughs> so there's a video camera in it. <laughs> is his studio still called Reciprocal Recording? Is that what it is? Actually, Reciprocal was. Uh, it wasn't. I don't think it was ever his per se. Oh, he was uh, just an engineer there. Yeah, I gotcha. And that went under quite a quite a while oh, ago. Yeah. Um, and then it was we were at. What was the name of the first studio? Um, it was right off that main street. Yeah, and it had the electrical bus. Uh, uh, and I can't remember the name of it right now. It's on the record. Um, <laughs> but then uh, he kind of. Uh, after a couple of years, like he's been in charge of this place called Soundhouse up there. Okay. Which is, you know, he like lives basically on premises. So, yeah. like, you know, it's a, it has a, a, like a, you know, huge house attached to it and it's like a really nice studio. We actually helped him move. Yeah, we, <laughs> really, we helped him move. Well, I have you guys here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now that we're friends, you can help me move. <laughs> yeah, High and Fire recorded there, not this. Newest record, but record before that, they recorded with him there. Um, I know the Posies recorded there, like the last couple of records, or one record there. Uh, do you have any uh, quirks that you could describe for us about Jack? Yeah, you described oh, I remember. <laughs> the first show we did as his backing band was down here in San Francisco, and then we were all going to get in a van together and go up to Seattle for a show. And we were getting in the van for this long drive, and he turns to me, and said, you know, I don't like to listen to music or anything while we're driving. And I was like, it's a 12-hour drive, Jack. <laughs> but he had tons of stories about, you know, people we've all heard of yeah. that I can't say. But yeah. they were, it was it was fine. Yeah. I laughed for 12 hours. Well, so he had something to entertain you. That's good. Yeah. He's got lots of stories. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember uh, who it was that, I think it was one of the guests from the Senate that said, don't let Jack go in the cereal aisle at a grocery store. <laughs> like, don't if he like starts turning over packages to read the ingredients. Like, just run. <laughs> You'll be there forever. If you want to make him happy, you can give him wheat thins and ginger ale. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what he lives on. Wheat thins and ginger ale. Steady diet. Just getting more into the recording process, we can focus on the second album. What is a typical day in the studio for you? Like, how long is it? What do you do when you get there? Or do you have any kind of rituals maybe that you would go through to get prepared for the day? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, none of that. <laughs> yeah, the, the second album, as it has been started and has been in process for a really long time and kind of was dead in the water for a little while, we went into it really unprepared and are still paying the price for that, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we had figments of little pieces of songs that we were trying to put together while we were 
you know, basically mm-hmm. recording. And uh, that's where the EP came from. The the EP EP we did with Doug. Oh yeah. Yeah, you that remember, one was. You remember? <laughs> yeah, because that you did that one a little while ago, and it was done here, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah we we actually recorded the EP, you know, rehearsal space, and uh-huh. uh, Doug Hillsinger, uh, gift you know, basically you know, recorded and mixed it for us. And who's Doug Hillsinger? It's all over the place. Doug, uh, he was in a band called Bomb uh, years ago around here. They did a, a one major label record for um, Warner Brothers. It was uh, produced by Robert Fripp. And uh, kind of a art damaged like space rock stuff, and kind of uh, you know I think I think that what was their second record called Hits of Acid, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he, and he's a really good friend of ours, and you know wanted to do it, and we argued every step of the way, but yeah. we <laughs> we ended up finishing it. He was also in a local band, Waycross. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard of them. And Gift recently, horse. Gift, Gift, Horse. Gift Horse. He's yeah. in a he's in a million bands. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Recently, he's all been, over the place. Yeah, recently he's been playing with a uh, something called Carlitos UK. It's kind of torch songy, very tormented uh, female vocal, but is a guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. It, it's great. I like this stuff. So. Yeah, it's yeah. really good, yeah. actually. Incredibly talented guy. Here is a song off of Dirty Power's EP, a small offering entitled What Would Mountain Do? day in the studio what's it like <laughs> we have wake up and, and pull our hair out and pull our hair out and argue and then go get some food and then come back and and turn out all the lights and it's try to figure out part. how to make something happen um yeah. maybe live i don't know if there's a typical day in the studio at all you know uh any of the times that we've been in the studio it usually ends up being me there from beginning to end for the entire thing and then you know people people kind of like come in, in and out yeah you know. and are you okay you know, kind <laughs> of thing uh, so you know it's just try to get things done as they need to get done or just continue to try to get something done you know like, yeah so it's not the easiest process in the world it's not our favorite part no, no. Much more fun to play live. Huh? Yeah, Maybe live yeah, records from now. <laughs> well, we we'll did. just kiss a lot. <laughs> so, how much more do you have left to go? Is that kind of undetermined? Pretty close. Still? Pretty close. Technically, there's three songs that are left to get get done, and in we started recording this one with Jack uh, as well, uh, 
started all the basic tracking with him and then basically because we were trying to save money and you know time uh, me and Steve started working on the guitar tracks back here in in our rehearsal space studio and uh, just things over time kind of like led one into the other and got to a point where it was like finished and then we went up and mixed with Jack uh, we mixed seven songs he was working out of, out of a different studio I was kind of out of my head it just did not come out like any of us wanted it to sound you know like and so it was kind of a huge disappointment actually I just talked to Jack about remixing some of that stuff and he wants to he actually yeah. he had actually contacted me about remixing it because he didn't like it after he had heard it you know or had put it away and heard it after a while now it's just a process of trying to finish the last couple of songs and and get it all you know compiled and put together so do you guys what do you use when you record in your studio do you like pro tools or it's pro yeah we have an old pro tools rig that we've had digio one that's been in there for Ever. Did you have one? Yeah, yeah. a friend of mine has one. We've done some recordings. With yeah, <laughs> I have one at home as well. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good. It's a good rig. Yeah, I've tried using Logic, but it's the learning curve is a little high sometimes. So. Yeah, yeah. For me, I mean, I've recorded at a lot of different places, and that's what they're always using. And so it was just easy for me to gravitate yeah. towards that. Yeah, try yeah. rather than try to learn some other program. Yeah, it's it's the most realistic. You know, it's like. It looks it, it, anything that you've learned in a real studio, you can kind of just go to it, you know, with, with Pro Tools, you know. So, what are your goals as a band? What are you going to try to achieve with this next, with the release of this next record? The next release. We probably had goals at at some point, but <laughs> you know, but it, it just doesn't seem like the best thing to do anymore <laughs> you know, like to, to shoot high but not really get there you know uh, I don't know things have changed so much within like what is called the music industry and like around here even this like what what is it you know the music scene in San Francisco or you know the Bay Area just so many uh, so many people displaced and so many people you know, just kind of like, you know, throwing their hands up and saying, forget it, you know, just because, you know, the way things are set out now, there's no real gold coin at the end of the, you know. The formula's all gone. Yeah. Yeah. The rules have changed. Yeah. The rules have changed drastically. Not I mean, really any like, rules anymore. When you yeah. say, what's your goal? What is the, what is the goal? I think that's yeah. what people are trying to figure out yeah. now. Like, you know, what are you aiming at? Yeah, as much as much of my life as I spent schooling myself on how to like how to work it you know or how yeah. to like you know or just even being interested in music that all kind of seemingly went away overnight <laughs> in some ways it's like you know what do I do now okay here yeah so it, it's kind of one of those things where you have to like kind of just like learn that being in a band is fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, have to, you have to kind of relearn all that stuff sort yeah. of you know you know, that's what I that's what I do. I play in a couple of bands and at this point most of the people that I play with are married, they've got kids and we just it's almost like a a club, you know. We go to the practice studio and jam out and we'll play a few shows every now and then, but uh that's about it. Uh, do you guys anticipate touring for the new record? 
I wouldn't say no. I would. Love I wouldn't to. say no either. Yeah. But you know, if we were doing it uh, by ourselves and you know completely on our own, I don't think it would be very extensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's just it's a lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work, and it's a lot of money, you know, lot of money man. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Ain't, ain't no ain't easy on the pocketbook or on the feet. So, <laughs> could you see yourself partnering up with another band that might be going on tour? Oh yeah, definitely. Sure. That's the fun way to do it. Yeah, as long as you get you know getting along. Are there any bands in particular that that might happen with? Not that nothing you know nothing in any way kind of like taking shape or anything like you know mm-hmm. nobody that we know that would be able to you know take another band out on tour yeah, or I think know, we're all in the same boat. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know we kind of have to like hawk it together. Yeah, you know? so I don't know. Things, stranger things have happened. Yeah. When you play with other bands on a bill, your music is, what to say, I mean, it's, it's just like, it's basically hard rock. I think of uh, Thin Lizzy, Kiss, you know, kind of 70s metal or kick-ass hard rock, really. I don't know that there's a lot of bands doing that type of thing. Is it hard to get billed or matched up with another band or... Like if you go and you play with High on Fire, they're a lot more of a you know real metal band. Uh, not real metal, but they're more hard, aggressive. You know, a, yeah. a, a, aggressive metal as opposed to just hard rock. How is a reception uh, you know taken by fans at a gig like that? I guess in 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 one thing that we had to get over was uh, people getting over the fact that we weren't ironic. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, like. Like we actually kind of mean this, and yeah. it, like it, it. That's what threw people, I think, initially, because there was a lot of mock rock around at the time, and mm-hmm. people expected to see us in bell bottoms and yeah. <laughs> blousey shirts and whatnot. Yeah, plus and, out the denim and leather. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like kind of the sort of trick or joke to it you know yeah and i think a lot of people were you know expecting okay where's the punchline yeah we went that's round and round live if we didn't like it yeah yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, and that's that's exactly it we we loved the style that we were doing and i love still love all those bands and i don't see anything funny necessarily about thin lizzie so yeah exactly (laughs) It it wasn't necessarily hard to get booked on shows, but there wasn't a lot of bands doing anything like real straightforward like we were doing, and like, and so we would get booked with a lot of punk bands mm-hmm. or like you know really like you know I think we played a show with Nunslaughter once or you know like death metal stuff, and it's just yeah. like eh, that's interesting, <laughs> but it doesn't really <laughs> yeah somebody's gonna boo us you watch. yeah <laughs> somebody's not gonna be happy. But- we're happier than the happier sound. We're <laughs> <laughs> happy sadness. So how has the music business been treating you? <laughs> About as good as we've been treating it. <laughs> Abandoned. Like, you know, the, yeah, exactly. I mean, like we, we haven't even looked really. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they're treating us. If, you know, if we're just kind of where to we'll look. Keep you posted. Yeah. yeah. How is it treating anybody, really? Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, or is it even there, really? I don't know. Hey, well, it, it's just the rules have changed, so. Yeah, yeah my band just spent two years uh, working on an album. We did it all ourselves, and we just decided, you know, we're not going to get a thousand copies of this thing. <laughs> we're just going to put it online for free and just yeah. see what happens. And, uh, you know, people can donate or do whatever. But Just do vinyl. 
Yeah, vinyl. My, you know, my initial thing with this last record was to only do vinyl, period, and like yeah. just give it away. You know, yeah. you know, buy a vinyl, but give it away for free online or whatever. Yeah. Put it I, the, I, there are a lot of bands doing that now. So, I've seen. Yeah. I think a lot of people are kind of making their own rules. I don't yeah. think that the, you know, yeah. people kind of realize that there's just different ways to, to make money at it if you're if that's what you're trying to do you know for you know your living or well-being or whatnot um trying to get music into uh you know video games and things like that or movies and tv placements and whatnot so what do you what do you guys see uh as the future for dirty power well i'm excited about this this new record you know and then the whole thing about touring will come up yeah. and see if anybody wants to back the record or whatever so it you know it's a weird it's just that point where everything's open see yeah what, i think we just have to happens. finish the album and then put it out and see what happens from what there happens from there yeah you know i don't think it, i don't think we're ever going to like you know put a closure on this anytime soon but you know the <laughs> the output might not be you know too much well i don't know Depends on how things go. You guys basically doing this because you love it and you're going to keep doing it for as long as you can. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, even if it was just the shows yeah, for no, no other reason than to play these songs live. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, I'll definitely be going. <laughs> cool. Hey. Good stuff. Excellent. Uh, anything else? You guys have anything you want to promote? Uh, any other bands that you might be in? Shows coming up? Just a show at just the bottom of the hill on June 19th, Saturday night. With, um, uh, 9 p.m. <laughs> when it starts. Yeah. See how we get. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, guys, for coming by. Thank really you. Really appreciate it. Had a good time with you guys. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Bye. <laughs> thanks again to Dirty Power for coming on down and doing an interview. Make sure you check out their gig on June 19th, Saturday, at Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco. It's entitled Parker Palooza. It's with Earthless, Dirty Power, Hot Fog, and Carlton Melton. 9 p.m., $12 at the door. And that's Bottom of the Hill is located at 1233 17th Street. You can also check out more Dirty Power at dirtypower.net. That's their official website. They also have a MySpace presence. Go to myspace.com slash dirtypower. We're going to leave you with the song off of their self-titled debut CD, Dirty Power. The song is Symptom of the Unitard. <laughs> <laughs>